1: Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad.
2: He blitzes right past Marshawn to the
3: net. Dishes. What timer score? Leon Dreisaitl. What a.
1: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The Calgary Flames and New York Islanders are scoreless early in the
2: second period. Also early in the second. Sharks and Bruins 1-1. Senators and Capitals 2-2 after the first. Flyers leading the Sabres 2-1. Late in the first. Canadians up 1-0 on the Red Wings. Second period. It is Pittsburgh 3, Columbus nothing, and Carolina up 3-0 on the Los Angeles Kings. The Edmonton Oilers did not practice today. They will play tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's on 6.30 Chad, with the face-off show at 3.30 and the game will start at 5. Leafs center John Tavares expects an energized Connor McDavid who will return after that two-game suspension. Obviously he's missed the last couple games. You expect, expect him to be shot out of the cannon tomorrow, so uh, obviously got to be aware of uh, his game and what he can do out there. Uh, at the same time, I think we got to uh, have a good focus with our group and, and getting off to a good start and doing some things better on our end and making sure we're ready to play. The Edmonton Oilers did not make a move on trade deadline day. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched, but the Vegas Golden Knights did. One of the biggest moves of the day, maybe the biggest move of the day, they get Mark Stone from the Ottawa Senators and welcome back to Inside Sports. From the Vegas Hockey Hotline, AM 1400, it is Brian Blessing. Brian, do I dare say you're calling in from snowy Las Vegas? Not anymore, Reed. Uh, Seven inches on my back patio last week.
4: Uh, I just made plans to golf Saturday. It's going to be 70 on Friday.
2: But you got seven inches of snow?
4: Honestly, God, it was unbelievable. We We got seven inches of snow on Thursday. They were so confused by it. We're all like, well, give the kids the day off. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And they made them go to school. And then the next day they gave them a snow day and all the snow was gone.
2: (laughs) And and you lived in Buffalo for a long time, so you're like, what's the big deal?
4: No, I was like, what is this? I, I ran away from that. I mean, I love Buffalo dearly. It was the snow I ran away from.
2: Okay, so he didn't bargain for that. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that story, but uh, good things are back to normal, and you got a a golf game coming up. Of course, the Golden Knights will play later tonight against the Dallas Stars, but they made a splash yesterday as they got Mark Stone from uh, the Ottawa Senators. We knew Stone was going somewhere. He winds up going to Vegas, and it sounds like a contract extension is on the way as well. Break down your view on how this deal came to fruition, Brian, because obviously... there, there were other teams who would have loved to add Stone as well.
4: Well, yeah, Bill Foley was uh, on my show today. He came in the studio, and George McTee alluded to this yesterday. It, it, that last hour of the trade deadline, they had a bunch of things in the fire, so they, they had a plan A, B, and C. And I, I don't know exactly when Dorian's price came down, uh, but it became a palatable situation. Then the crazy thing is, Reed, uh, there is never – I, I don't remember signing trades at the trade deadline. Uh, they cut this deal, and McTee wasn't going to do it if it was a rental. And literally, uh, it was noon Pacific time was the trade deadline. At 11.30, they started talking to Stone's rep, and they were able to hammer this thing out in 15 minutes, and they're going to put the finishing touches on it. He can't sign until Friday, uh, but basically it's going to be eight years, nine and a half million, which would be probably a, a lot less then would he get other places? But he'll make more because there's no state tax here, and that's going to be one of the big advantages Vegas always has.
2: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that, the no state tax. So uh, the the players love that. And this is – I mean, it's been interesting for me watching the Golden Knights this season, Brian, and I I know we go on each other's shows fairly regularly and and update each other's teams, but Vegas, I I believe 12 games into the season – I think they were 4-7-1, and, and, I, and I think they were last in the NHL, or second last. And we were wondering, okay, is the bloom off the rose from last year? Are they going to fall back? And then they, they, they went on a great tear. Uh, I mean, they beat the Oilers here, though Edmonton did, did get them the second time they played. Uh, but now lately, is this another bit of a rough patch here for, for Vegas? Are they trying to get out a bit of a funk? Huge rough patch. Uh, you
4: know, They've been struggling at Team Oval, where they were dominant. You know, last year's dead and gone. Uh, There are a couple of things, Reed. There are a lot of things why they were good last year. And then there are other things that are tried and true things why maybe they struggled this year. Everybody wants to point that Nate Schmidt missed the first 20 games. He's a great player. But that's not why they were losing in the beginning. I think they had a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover. And the one reason that was an added bonus last year could be a bit of a detriment this year. How many times do you watch a hockey team with a guy who – is in a contract year and goes nuts. Right. And then the next year, he's, you know, just kind of middle of the road. And then he goes nuts in the fourth year at the end of the contract again. Vegas had 13 UFAs and RFAs last year. You know, now a lot of these guys got their money. I, I mean, they think they're working hard. I, they're, they're honest about it. They know they they haven't been. And, I you know, the stone thing maybe is a little bit of a wake up call and a kick in the pants. But, you know, he's not Gretzky, he's a great player. But collectively,
2: this group has got to really ratchet it up. Brian uh, Brian Blessing joining us from the Vegas Hockey Hotline AM 1400 in Vegas. And it's been interesting for me too watching the Pacific Division because Calgary and San Jose are excellent. They're jockeying for one-two. Even with Vegas going through their struggles lately, they're still six points up on Arizona. I mean, do you think it's, it's hurt them at all or is there just sort of like, well, you know, we're third. We're not going to be a wild card team, and it's unlikely Like, is, is I'm just wondering, because just from afar, yeah. I, for the last couple of months, I've just kind of felt like, well, Vegas is third. They're not really going to go up or down. Do you think that's factored yeah. into the mentality at all?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think they're kind of locked in the dead zone. They, they're they almost resigned to their fate, uh, which to a degree means you're not killing yourself going into the playoffs, which maybe even if you can do it as be fresh and, and peak at the right time, um, but it's not easy to flip a switch either. Um, you know, The one thing I would say to you, Reed, uh, at the end of the day, if they are able to up the ante and, and play much better, the one thing I would say, you look at the Flames, okay, Smith, Riddick, okay, uh, Martin Jones, okay, uh, you know, Vegas has the goalie. If, if Murray plays at a high level, uh, you know, Vegas had, should have the advantage in that.
2: Well, that's a great point and, and Stoffer and I were talking about that yesterday is that y- y- the, the Vegas Golden Knights have the surest thing in net out of the top 3 in the Pacific Division. Maybe they're not going to have the regular season. Maybe they, well, let me ask you this. How how do you compare the depth up front for the Golden Knights this season now with the addition of Stone? How do you compare it to two very deep forward units on the Sharks and the Flames?
4: Last year they were a greased four-line wheel. It was ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, on any given night, a line plays well, but all four lines aren't playing well. So, you know, can they flip a switch and can, can that come on? It's possible, certainly. Uh, I'll tell you a guy they really misread, uh, and you've seen this with a lot of teams, you, know, you talk about your stars, but I always go back to when the, the Pens made that the trade deadline got Haglund a few years back and won the Cup. You know, everybody remembers Crosby, but Haglund was the guy who was the key to that run. Uh Vegas has a role guy and when he's out they don't play well it's unbelievable how important William Carrier is the problem is he plays so hard he impales himself at the time and he can't stay healthy but when he's in the lineup they're a different team
2: that is an interesting point. There's a, there's a role guy having an impact for sure. Brian Blessing checking in from Vegas, talking about the Golden Knights. i got to throw one more at you before I go because I asked you about this before, uh, more or less just because I, I kind of get a, a kick out of it and I seem to never be sure what, exactly what is happening. When are they going to be the Las Vegas Raiders again? Do we know for sure? Uh, two
4: years, or a year, a year from September. I, I think they just got to cut they're going to maybe play in Oakland again. Right, um, you know the state. The stadium is ballooning up right in front of our eyes, so they'll be here next September.
2: And then Vegas will get a Super Bowl, right?
4: One would think. <laughs> I mean, everybody that builds a new stadium is—it's kind of an unwritten rule. I mean, it, it makes complete sense, and then to be one of the biggest events ever, um, you know. If you're not going to the Super Bowl, the best place to go to watch the Super Bowl is Vegas. So <laughs> why, why the heck not bring the Super Bowl to Vegas? So let's see how
2: that plays out. That's a great point. Brian, the Golden Knights are, they, they've obviously been a fascinating team to watch because of how good they've been so quickly in their career. And uh, I got to say, walking around Edmonton, I see uh, I, obviously the Oilers logo. Still the most, but I see a lot of Golden Knights uh, merchandise people wearing hats and t-shirts and stuff like that. They won a lot of people over last season. Bill,
4: Bill Foley today said they just finished their night he wouldn't spill the beans what it looks like, but they just finished the design of we'll get their first third jersey, I guess, in the not too distant future. and uh, yeah I, I would just I would leave you with this read that it, a year and two-thirds ago, I mean that's as long as this team's existed if uh, a year and a half ago in the summer. Someone would have said to a Golden Knights fan or a hockey analyst like you, uh, if, if, or the owner, that would, would you sign the paper today if I told you in a year and two thirds you'd be sitting th- in third and firmly going to make the playoffs in your second year of existence? Everybody would have signed the paper. Yeah, you know that they'd have been, they'd have been ahead of the curve where they sit today, and they went to the final last year. So a little adversity but the people around here think this happens all the time <laughs>
2: it's not. no it's a it's a little unusual to put it mildly but good for them they've done a lot of things well brian i always love having you on the show we're probably going to wind up talking a few times during the playoffs you're so generous with your time man hope you're having a great night and enjoy the game i love
4: doing it reed have a good evening sir
2: Right on. That is Brian Blessing checking in from the Vegas Hockey Hotline on AM 1400 in Vegas. He has been a great guy to have on the show to uh, update what's going on with the Golden Knights. And, well, I mean, really, they've been, well, they're one of the all-time Biggest story They're one of the all-time biggest stories in the history of the NHL, what they did last year, and still a very good team this year, even though they've struggled lately, just three wins in their last 13. But they get Mark Stone. He's going to sign that massive extension on Friday. And I think he made a good point. They will play, you know, barring something really unusual, they're going to finish third in the Pacific. They will play San Jose or Calgary in the Pacific Division first round in the Pacific Division semifinal, whatever they call it these days. And you'd have to give the goaltending edge with Marc-Andre Fleury to the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, San Jose and Calgary, I, I think, are deeper teams, though Stone changes things for Vegas. But, uh, yeah, if it comes down to go, like I know the, the the Flames are a great team. And Rob Brown, who I do shows with every time the Oilers play, he thinks San Jose is better than Calgary. I think Calgary is better than San Jose. I, like, the, the the Flames are having a great year, uh, but, I mean, I, ha- I please forgive me. I have some buddies who are Flames fans, and I know some people who work in Calgary, and I still get that, like, oh, yeah, I don't know about Riddick. I mean, hey, I'd love for the Edmonton Oilers to be second, third overall, and the only question was, you know, could their goaltender, who's 15, 16 games above <laughs> 500, hold up? That That'd be a much more luxurious conversation to be having. But Vegas, and given what they did last year, you don't count them out going into the postseason. You can text 630-630. I'll get to a couple of questions on the text line. You can call 780-496-0063. It's 618. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We're back after the break on Inside Sports.
1: Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports.
2: All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Man, big thanks to everybody. 630 Chet Heart Pledge Day, raising a record $355,000 for the Mazenkowski Alberta Heart Institute. That is incredible stuff. You heard Jespo there, you heard Bruce there, you heard Jalen and Andrew there. Man, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for stepping up with that. I also want to congratulate Christian Rounce from St. Albert. He is the winner. Of our Join the Team contest, so all month we've been inviting Ched listeners to join the team with 630 Ched and the Edmonton Oilers and win a spot in the Oilers team photo. So Christian gets a spot in that photo, going to be framed and autographed by the team. He will get a personalized Oilers jersey. He's going to get a chance to attend an Oilers practice, and he'll get a VIP experience for the March 11th home game including a pregame dinner in Studio 99, and he'll get to be on the face-off show with me. Obviously the least attractive part of the package. Christian Rounce from St. Albert is our Join the Team contest winner. Thanks to everybody who entered. Look forward to uh, meeting... Christian for March 11th. You can text 63630. Oh, by the way, the uh, Flames and Islanders now 1-1 with seven and a half minutes left in the second period. Kachuk with his 25th, Bailey with his 14th. You can text 63630. This individual says, "Hey, Reed, why were they playing four on four in overtime last night?" Well, Tobias Reeder got a penalty. So the power plays in overtime are 4-on-3. Then when the player comes out of the penalty box, they play 4-on-4 four four until the next whistle, and uh, there wasn't one. Well, I think there might have been one right at the end of overtime. So they stay 4-on-4 four four until there's a, a whistle, and then they reset and go to 3-on-3. Three three. So that's why there was an extended session of 4-on-4 four four after the Predators' 4-on-3 power play. Gary in Cold Lake says, Hey, Reed, who do we have to catch to get the wild card? Well, a lot. You got to pass Chicago, you got to pass Vancouver, you got to pass Arizona, you got to pass Colorado, and then you got to pass Minnesota. This is a monumental task ahead for the Edmonton Oilers. They have 20 games left in their season, and you've probably heard me refer to this website in the past. And again, it's just one of those that runs millions of simulations for the remainder of the season after the action ends every night. It's sportsclubstats.com. You can look at it yourself. They do this for a bunch of different leagues. And it is giving the Oilers a 2.1% chance of making the playoffs. And then you can hover the mouse over the 2.1%, and it tells you all the different records that got the Oilers into the playoffs. The most common record for the Oilers to make the playoffs is 13-5-2. Basically, they will need 28 of their final 14 points probably more like 29 or 30. So we're looking at a, at a minimum, probably 13 wins, uh, you know, like the record says, 13, 5, and 2, you probably need 13, 14, even 15 wins to make the playoffs. So I don't want to sugarcoat this. There's always a chance I'll keep giving out the odds and I'm not going to say they're out of it until they're mathematically eliminated. Realistically, they are pretty much out of it. But again, I'll couch that by saying pretty much, but uh, it, it is a an extreme, I mean, it's one in 50. So if you went to the track and you saw a horse was 50 to one to win the race, you probably would think that horse wasn't gonna win the race. And if you put your money on that horse, you would accept you're probably throwing away the two bucks or five bucks or whatever you But that's where it is. 2.1%, according to sportsclubstats.com. Oilers and Leafs tomorrow. We'll tee that up with Gort Stellick when we get back.
1: You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
2: All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Flames and Islanders 1-1 late in the second period. Also in the second, Bruins taking it to the Sharks up 4-1. Flyers lead Buffalo 2-1. Capitals up 6-2 on Ottawa. Oilers will be in Ottawa on Thursday. And how about this one? Carolina with a 6-0 lead on the Los Angeles Kings. Penguins up 3-2 on the Blue Jackets. Canadians 2, Red Wings nothing. And in the first period, scoreless Predators and Blues. Scoreless Minnesota and Winnipeg. Connor McDavid returns from his two-game suspension tomorrow as the Oilers take on the Maple Leafs. Of course, it's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 3.30 and the game will start at 5. John Shannon from Sportsnet tweeting out today that Oscar Kleffbaum should be okay to play he left the game early last night in nashville after taking to a slash to the left hand that was the one that kept them out earlier this season my name is reed wilkins thanks a lot for tuning in tonight i am pleased to welcome back to the show from the nhl on rogers and former general manager of the toronto maple leafs it's the one and only gord stellick gord great to talk to you again how are you doing i am doing great reed how are you I am doing great. I always love having you on the show, and uh, I'm going to dive right in here, buddy. The trade deadline was yesterday, and uh, I went back to the 1989 trade deadline because that's when you were GM of the Leafs, and you sent, well, it was the day before the deadline, Ken Reggett going to Philadelphia, and uh, you got a couple first-round picks in return for the old goalie.
3: Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it was, I mean, it's a long time ago now, but uh, you had a couple of teams that were interested in Kenny Reggett, and not a lot of goaltenders get moved on trade deadline. I guess Ryan Miller maybe was the last guy a few years ago, and uh, Bobby Clark really liked him. And, uh, you know, it's funny that the picks would have been, they had their pick in Philadelphia's, their pick in Calgary's pick, and at one point, I think we would have taken, like, it would have been, like, 9th and, and 18th. Well, it ended up being... I think 12th and 21st Calgary won the Stanley Cup, so yeah, we it, was, it ended up being a weak draft, and that's the draft we had. The infamous draft we took the set three guys from the Belleville Bulls, but uh, it was uh, it, it it was if as far as trade deadline deals go, it's it's a pretty good memory.
2: What was, that, what was that like for you? T- tell us your experience as a GM the days leading up to the trade deadline. I know the landscape would have been a little different with 21 teams and no salary cap, but did you find that to be uh, you know, a highly stressful time? And, and I know Harold Ballard was still obviously involved with the Leafs, owning the Leafs a- at that time. What do you remember about that deadline and the lead up to it?
3: Well, you know, I I was there, you know, before I was general manager for about 10 years before that. And the trade deadline, it it always was there, but it was never really thought of that way. It was really the Butch-Goring deal. It was called the clear day list, where the teams got their roster set as far as, um, you know, you couldn't keep sliding guys down to your American Hockey League team and stock them up for the Calder Cup playoffs. So there, there was kind of a freeze after that. So really, it was a trade deadline, but it was more known as the clear day list. And then, it, with the Butch-Goring deal to, from L.A. to the Islanders, which made a difference, and them winning the Stanley Cups started gaining some notoriety that way. And and, and, and what I remember, Reed was uh, what's great about it in a lot of ways, and you're right, there was no salary cap back then, so you could pull the trigger without really having to worry about that element, but was uh, uh, you, you had to think under the gun. I mean, there's a deadline. If you're sitting there and you've got some valued... Um, valued scouts or advisors, and you're getting differing opinions. Like one person says, make this deal. The other person says, they recommend you don't. Uh, you, got, you got to make a des- decision by 3 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of neat. There's kind of an excitement and an energy and buzz on that day. It tends to have been, I, I think, in a lot of ways, it's kind of jumped the shark from people's expectations. But uh, it's it's people people work best at deadlines, and that's an actual deadline. So. It's, uh, it was fun to work it, and it's still fun to work it on the media side.
2: I, I got to ask you this. I, I, I host our Oilers games with Rob Brown, the former Pittsburgh Penguins. Speaking of 88 89, that was a pretty good season for him. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, Rob believes that there should be no games on that day because he said, you know, like Nashville makes a couple trades against the Oilers and they kind of had a depleted roster against Edmonton. They lose the guys that they traded out. They didn't have time to get, uh, you know, Simmons in and and Grandland in from from Minnesota. Uh, do you think that they, there should be no games on deadline day? Is that a disadvantage for teams that do play?
3: You know, I didn't think that so much before, but I'm coming around to that way of thinking. You know, it's kind of like think about, think at your radio station and you know it's a, a trade deadline day there and then somebody very vital to the station is moved to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You've got a big show to do that night or, you know, so I, I even, you mentioned John Shannon's name and, and John, when he was the guru of broadcasting, he pitched it to the league that there's no games that night and actually trade de- that, the trade deadline is something like 10 p.m. Eastern or something like that, so you turn it into a primetime special that everybody watches and you have a representative from each team there or whatever, and uh, kind of like the way the draft lottery is. I, I like that idea. Maybe that'll have legs down the road as far as being a better time, but uh, in in the meantime, I would be one of those to support no games on trade deadline night.
2: Yeah. Gord Stelich joining us on Inside Sports. Of course, we have the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. The, the all-Canadian matchups, I still love Gord when Rogers plays Host a game between the Oilers and and name the team. You you get the chance going back and forth. There's always um, you know fans cheering for for the visiting team. It's not quite the same, maybe with Ottawa, though they are still you know they've been in the league a, a while now. From a competitive standpoint, I mean, unfortunately the Oilers are a long shot to make the playoffs and the Leafs are going to be in. But McDavid comes back from suspension. He was only out for two games, but I played the John Tavares clip earlier in the show where he said he expected David to be playing like he's shot out of a cannon, which he kind of looks like that. Anyway, Edmonton's playing playing better lately. They're they're playing a little bit more of a a low-event game, which I think they need because they don't have a lot of firepower outside of their big three. How have the Leafs been looking lately?
3: Yeah, you know, first of all, Reed, You know, even back in my day, going out west, and we get our asses kicked by the Oilers and the Cowboys Flames. But I, I love going out west. You're absolutely right. I, I just love the buzz and energy. Uh, and by the way, my son Justin, I let him pick tickets to one game this year, and he picked the Oilers game. So thank God the suspension was only two games <laughs> for Connor McDavid. But the, uh, you know, the, the Leafs have. Now, it's unusual for the Leafs to sort of be, relatively speaking, home and cooled out in a playoff spot, even though they're not mathematically totally in. So of late, they've had two games that you know they've come back from big deficits. So in some ways, there's been, let's say, an element of sloppiness to them compared to when they were really on a roll about two weeks ago, probably was as good a hockey as they played all year. So they've been a really exciting, entertaining team. They, there's some inconsistency still. I mean, uh, people are talking about the Stanley Cup for them. I, I've never talked about them. I've never awarded them the Stanley Cup. And same with the Orders. You've got to get to that next level, starting win some playoff series. So they still have a little bit of mileage to go there. But, man, they got three balance lines they can throw at you now, I think, as good as any team in the NHL. Awesome goaltender in Freddie Anderson, which I think is something in Edmonton you could relate to what you get great, consistent goaltending like he's given. So they've been fun to watch, like the Orders are when they're
2: on their game, and uh, it's been a fun season. Well, they're, and, and yeah, I mean, that Montreal uh, game, they're down 3-0, wind up winning 6-3, but they're the Leafs are cursed a little bit as well here by by their division, kind of like last year, Gort. you got Tampa Bay 9-0-1 in their last 10, Boston 8-0-2 in their last 10, and they're taking it to San Jose tonight, and the Leafs have dropped the point behind Boston. I, I mean, to me, that might be that might be the biggest disadvantage the, the the leafs have is how the geography has played out and if they get i mean they will be in the playoffs like you said you're probably going to have to go through boston and then through the president trophy winning uh, tampa bay lightning
3: yeah and, and you know and, and i would like a 182736 format but that's not the reality now i'm not saying i would like it because it would help the leafs i just mean in general i would like it that, you know the, the boston series they've had those two heartbreaking game 7 losses uh, 5 years apart and uh, so, so it's kind of like, oh, no, got to go through Boston again. Well, you know what? The Leafs forced Game 7 in both cases had a lead after two periods in Game 7. Both series didn't get great goaltending in either series. So it's not like they got smoked in four games straight from the Boston Bruins. So uh, I would see the Leafs as kind of a team on the rise a bit more and, and not fear that. But you're right. It is it is a challenge. And I remember years ago, I don't know who the Oilers' nemesis may have been in their heyday, but... Uh, God, the Ottawa Senators, they were a team that really should have won a Stanley Cup at some point back at the turn of the century. And the Leafs just had their number in the playoffs. Oh, my Lord. What was it, four years in a row or something? Four yeah, to five I think years. so. Yeah. And they were baked. They they were mentally, psychologically, the Senators were baked once they drew Curtis Joseph and Gary Roberts and the Toronto Maple Leafs back then. But this, this isn't the case for the Maple Leafs. Psychologically against any team, but you're right. It, it it is a difficult road, but you know you got You got to play those teams at some point.
2: I just want to quickly look ahead to next season. I don't want to spend too much time on this because, well, you know, there's there's a lot of fun hockey still to be played. But in terms of the Leafs with their RFAs, where they might be up against the cap. I mean, you're going to have Matthews at. Over 11 million next year. Nylander almost seven. Marlow over six. Tavares right after 11. And Marner and, and Kapanen are going to want to to get paid as well. Gardner is going to be uh, a UFA. Are they? Might they have to sacrifice a, a younger player, a star type player, or or do you think they'll they'll be able to do some other maneuvering to fit everybody in?
3: They're in trouble. They're in trouble, and they've done a poor job managing the cap. And there's very little critical you can say about. Kyle Dubas and his gang, because you know they brought John Tavares here. They've done a lot of other good things. It just was weird that the keys were handed to Dubas last spring when Lou Lamorello kind of had been the guy who'd done a good job, you know, getting contracts in place. You got Morgan Riley in a six-year contract at five million, excuse me, uh, yeah, five million. Freddie Anderson in a five-year contract at five point at five million. Nazem Kadri in a six-year contract at four point five million. You know, and on and on. And he did he did such a great job signing Tavares on July first that he kinda he kinda rested and thought he had all the other guys in place and you know, much like the Oilers hit when it was hot and got Connor McDavid done a year early, um, he could have got Matthews done at less money and more term. He could have got could have I know it's coulda, woulda, shoulda, but that's when you should deal with those guys. And Marner, he could have got done for less and, and Nylander was the big miscalculation that you know, he that that ended up being the way it played out, about as poor as it can. So nobody's taken a haircut about anything. You only got Matthews signed for five years instead of seven or eight, which uh, I think is a, a terrible deal term-wise. And now you're going to get into trouble with Capitan and Janssen and those kind of guys. So you may end up losing one of those guys or have to move one of those guys a little bit earlier than you anticipated.
2: All right, I'll throw one more at you about tomorrow's game. Is it going to be McDavid wearing Nazem Kadri like a blanket? At least that's what Oilers fans will think, Gord. Uh, and, if, and, and I guess the sub-question to that is, if McDavid and Dreisaitl are on different lines, does that change what Babcock might try to do?
3: Boy, Leon Dreisaitl's a nice player. Again, you know, Kadri with the concussion issues, uh, you know, if he's back, uh, I would think that's what you're going to get. Absolutely. Naz has done a real good job on that with whomever it may be. And nobody loves matching lines more than Mike Babcock. But and, and if you split them up that that's that's a little bit more of a challenge. I, I wish he'd just let Austin Matthews go against Connor McDavid sometimes. Like sometimes just let the best go against the best. Come on, let's do it. But Mike Babcock, yeah, loves the line matching so he'll he'll be uh, he'll be hard at it tomorrow with two elite players on the Oiler team.
2: All right. Well, I, I hope it's a it's a fun game. I mean, it was a one nothing game last year in Toronto, and I thought McDavid uh, played well. But that that was McIlhenny, I think, who uh, who has the Oilers number throughout his career. Gord, it's always great to have you on the show. You're very generous with your time, man. Love talking to you. We'll do this again soon.
3: Anytime, Reed, Thanks very much.
2: That is Gort Stellick checking in from the NHL on Rodgers, and he had some uh, recollections there of his time in the Toronto Maple Leafs front office as well. And it's interesting what he said there about the Maple Leafs. He said they're in trouble, and he said they have done a poor job of managing the cap. Now, the Oilers' cap situation isn't very good either, and uh, you wish the Oilers could be as high in the standings as the Leafs are, but they will have some tough decisions to make over the summer. They could uh, lose a good player or two moving along. You can reach out at 780 496 63 You can also text 630-630. We'll keep you updated on the NHL scoreboard. Man, we have a lot to get to. We will uh, be joined by Edmonton Oil Kings goaltender Dylan Miskew having a fine season for the Oil Kings, who are first in their division. They had their hockey hooky game this afternoon. They won 11 Seven-one against Swift Current. He's coming up a little bit later on Inside Sports.
1: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. Six thirty, Chad. I was talking to Gord Stellick about the nineteen eighty-nine trade deadline.
2: I got the page open here that has all the trades from the deadline in uh, nineteen eighty-nine. Here's a big one, Kellen. The Minnesota North Stars got Mike Gardner and Larry Murphy from the Washington Capitals for Dino Cicerelli and Bob Rose. Wow. Huge. Massive. The Oilers traded Alan May and Jim Weimer to the Kings and they received John English and Brian Wilkes.
5: Alan May's gone on to do some things, notable things. Wasn't
2: he on with Bob today?
5: I think yeah, he was. I think so.
2: Uh, I don't re- I, I remember neither John English nor Brian Wilkes. We have Here someone in our sales department named Brian Wilkes. I don't think that's the same guy. We could ask him, but... Lindy Ruff went to the Rangers for a fifth-round pick in 1990, and the Sabres used that to draft Richard Schmelick. Remember him?
5: I think I have his rookie card at home.
2: <laughs> Bring it in! <laughs> the Sabres got Grant Ledger and Clint Malarchuk for Cali Johansson. Wow, these, this is bringing back some memories. Kelly Rudy was traded on February 22nd to the Kings for Mark Fitzpatrick and Wayne McBean and future considerations that turned out to be Doug Crossman. (laughs) I'd
5: uh, say the Kings won that trade.
2: That could be a show one day. We'll just read off all the trades from a certain trade deadline, see how many players we can remember. Quick note here from traffic, somebody texting in, I appreciate this. Must be some kind of construction east of 82nd Street on the Yellowhead. All lanes are at a standstill. That is a text to uh, 630. 630. We're talking about Leon Dreisaitl with Gord Stelic. Leon Dreisaitl, 38 goals in 62 games. He is on pace for 50 goals. The precise math is 50.25. They don't award quarter goals in the NHL. Leon Dreisaitl is on pace for 50 goals. That would be incredible. He is looking good. Connor McDavid has missed three of the last four games. Leon Dreisaitl has five points in those three games, and uh, he's been the best Oiler, I think, in all three. Absolutely. He has benefited greatly from playing with Connor McDavid over the last few years. But you know what? I think McDavid benefits from playing with Dreisaitl, and I don't have a problem with two offensive players being on the same line. I think the Oilers have a big three. Well, I know they have a big three. McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Dreisaitl. I think the way the roster is constructed right now, I think two of the three should be on the same line. You know what? Tomorrow, if I were doing it, and thank God I'm not, everybody, if I were doing it, I'd have Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins on the same line tomorrow, and I'd have McDavid centering two other people. And then you have the flexibility to move that around. But Dreisaitl's been great, absolutely. Want to get to this here? The Western Hockey League is actively educating all of its players on suicide prevention, and a member of the Prince Albert Raiders knows firsthand how important that is. And said, "No one is so tough that they can't talk about suicide." Global's community reporter Margot Marin has the story.
5: Right when it happened, when I was 16, um, you know, I like I didn't want to play anymore. I was just, you know, uh, just giving up.
0: In 2016, Loden Schoffler got the devastating news his father had died by suicide.
5: He was my role model, He, uh, I did everything with him, for him, you know, playing hockey, that's how I uh, got brought into hockey and you know, he was just an awesome guy. I'd call him after every game and that, so that was tough to adjust to.
0: It's tough to talk about but conversations like this are important to have. As Schoffler uses his story to spread awareness, the league is ensuring all players are trained in suicide prevention techniques.
4: You guys also represent a gender that completes suicide more often than females, and we'll talk about that in a little bit.
0: Kevin Hodgson teaches many of the Safe Talk sessions for the WHL, like this one with the Calgary Hitmen.
4: It's really like first aid. You know, if you see somebody in trouble, The best person to help is one who's right there, and you don't have to do it by yourself. Your job is just simply to find out what's going on and bring in the people that can help.
0: The mandatory program is done in partnership with the Canadian Mental Health Association and sends a clear message from the league.
4: Yeah, they want the
5: kids to win, but they also want the kids to be okay.
0: And some days just aren't okay having a roster of support helps
5: you know even little things after a tough game they always bring you up and when you got good teammates it makes it a lot easier
0: Shoffler knows preventing suicides is a team effort
5: just don't be afraid to talk to somebody and seek help Um, and even if you have somebody struggling and you don't know what to do you know seek help for that you can never be too tough to come out about your mental health and your uh, your struggles
0: Margot Marin, Global News.
5: Leaders Off the
1: Ice is brought to you by the Western Hockey League. World-class hockey and guaranteed scholarships.
2: Thanks, Margo. Appreciate that story. Inside Sports on 630, Ched, we are rolling along. After the 7 o'clock news, you will hear from an athlete whose team was down and almost out in their biggest game of the year, but they rallied. How did they do it? You will hear the story firsthand. Plus, Jason Fram, excellent season on the U of A Golden Bears blue line. They've clinched a spot in Nationals, and they will play the Saskatchewan Huskies for the Canada West Crown this weekend. He's coming up as well. Talk to you after the news.
1: 630Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Chad.